Well, we're continuing our series called Three Days to Live. And last week we started this on Easter. And it's basically, it's a series about the afterlife. What happens when we die? And, and um, today we have a really interesting topic, the, the topic of hell. And because of modern technology and just, you know, the way it, actually in Japan they have the ability for us to actually go into hell and, and take a picture. And this this week I was at, able to dig this top secret uh, imagery up. I'd like to show you, just be prepared what you're about to see. This is a picture of hell. And, um, and there that's where um, Satan lives. Uh, at least that would be my own personal. I don't. Maybe you're a cat lover, and I, I apologize. Um, but uh, no, there's no pictures of hell because nobody's been there to come back to tell us exactly what it looks like and stuff like that. But this morning, what I'd like to do is to just kind of lay a foundation for for all of us about about this kind of actually, you know, not a very comfortable issue of hell. But the reason, and some of you may ask, well. Why would you even talk about this thing? And why? I mean, this is not exactly the kind of the the average. You know, hey, let's go talk about hell today. That'd be awesome. Um, but the reason why we want to talk about it is because the Bible talks a lot about it. In fact, Jesus talked more about hell than he did heaven. So today we want to we want to talk about it. I don't know if if you were like me on Halloween, but on Halloween. When I was in high school, I remember this one specific Halloween. I think I was in ninth, it was either ninth or 10th grade. But uh, a buddy of mine said, he had this great idea. He said, Jay, let's, let's stay up, like, you know, let's start early. As soon as we get out of class on, on Friday or whatever, let's, let's go watch, let's go rent the Halloween movies and just watch just all of these, as many horror movies as we can. It sounds like just a great idea to any high schooler. And so um, I'm sure my parents, if they knew what I was doing, they probably would have not been happy. But I don't know that they knew I was watching horror movies all day long. But I went and watched Halloween, the, the trilogy of all these old Halloween terrible movies when I was like ninth or 10th grade. And at the end of it, um, it was about, we watched like all day after school. And at the end of it, it was about like 10 or 11 o'clock. And we said, hey, we remembered that this um, church was putting on something called the Hell House. Uh, down the road, they had took this this old uh, house that had been abandoned, and they created what they called Hell House. Have you guys ever been to something called Hell House? This church would do this, and basically what they would do is they took, they walked you through a story. It was kind of like a haunted house, but not really haunted and ghosts. But they take you through a story. We, we walk into the house, and me and him went with a group of friends, and we walk up to the front door. And the the, the drama is is that you're kind of on the outside. You're with this group of teenagers, and they're having a party. They're drinking beer, and they're doing things they're not supposed to do. And then you go into the house. They decide to they decide to go get in their car and to, and, and drive home. And they're 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 drunk. And and then all of a sudden, the next room that you go into, they have this car crash scene. And so the next scene is like them like laying couple of people laying bloody on the ground, and you know, so it's just like blood and carnage everywhere. And the next scene is them just in a kind of an empty room. And, and they're all talking about, um, they're all discovering that they're dead. I mean, they're kind of in clean clothes now. They're all in like these robes. And they're all discovering that, they're, that, that they've died in a car accident. And then all of a sudden, somebody comes in and, and grabs two of them. And, and pulls them away. And then the other two get pulled to this other room. And you're kind of like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And then you go to the next room and it's a picture 
of, of heaven. And you realize these two have been drugged into heaven and kind of angels are there and it's all pretty and there's light shining. They're like, oh, you're dead and now you're in heaven. And they're like, where are my friends? Where are my friends? And they're like, well, they're in a place that we can't speak of, you know. And like all of us are like, Ugh, you know, <laughs> we're getting scared out of our minds. And then they take you to the next room. They take you into hell. And they have like fires blazing and as much stuff as they can do and paint and makeup. And then they have like people who are dressed up as demons. And hey, there's that kid I know who's in 10th grade who's dressed up like a demon, you know, at high school. And you're like, he is a demon, you know, and um, in, in real life too. And, and uh, But, you know, they did this picture of like hell and it was, I mean, they did a really good job. I and mean, it was really scary. And you, after, and, and what happened kind of at the end, they had this, they have like this demon that jumps out at you. Now, listen, I had been, watching horror movies all day. And at that point, like, my body had, like, had enough. And I promise you, this girl scream came out of me that was, like, no girl... It was, like, a middle school, like, sixth grade girl who, like, I don't know, at a slumber party. And this scream came out of me that, like, everyone, just, like, the whole place just, like... They all... Even the actors, they stopped. Like, and they... And I remember, and they looked at me, and I was like... Ah! You know, and then I like ran out of the house. You know, it was it was really exciting. It was encouraging. and It was a lot of fun. So um, needless to say, I had the hell scared out of me. And uh, and, and I, I kind of joke about that because um, some of you, that's been your only experience. And and maybe your only information about the issue of hell has been maybe churches presenting it in a way that was like um, this, you know, you better turn or burn. Maybe you've heard that expression before. And some people have, uh, have said that and preachers say that you better turn or burn, right? And maybe you've seen a bumper sticker that says, you know, like this is your brain in heaven. And then it has like, you know, everything's nice. And this is your brain in hell and it's all fire, stuff like that. You know, very helpful bumper stickers. I think people probably love those. Um, very, very helpful. I'm sure people see them and go, oh, great. I'm, I'm going to follow Jesus now. So, um, no, but but you've probably all heard that. But today I want to just, there's a lot of a lot of scripture about hell. Today I just want to focus in on, on a, a few passages because we can't possibly see it all. But I, I want us to learn a little bit about hell. When you, when you think about the issue of hell, one of the things that is, is so striking is how many people do not really believe in hell. Now, if they did a, like a Gallup poll survey and 74% of people believed in heaven. And that's pretty easy to believe in heaven. You know, there's an afterlife, something better after this life. And 74% of people believe in heaven. But only 40%, at least in this survey, said believed in hell. And I I believe it's actually a lot less than that. Or at least people, they might say that there's a hell, but they sure don't live like there is one. And and so, although 74% of people believe in heaven, there's a huge majority of people who don't believe in heaven. And, and hell, and the reality is, is this affects the way you and I live because if if there's no such thing as hell, if there's no consequence to the end of life. There's no if there's nothing other than this life and heaven, then why does it matter how we live, right? We talked about the last week in Easter that we just asked the question, how would you live differently if you knew you only had three days to live? Well, the question today is, how would you live differently if you knew there was a hell? And, and the reality is, if you, if you live with the reality that there is a place called hell and it's a real place, you probably live differently. You probably live differently. Now, it's not a very popular subject or very easy to talk about. In fact, um, there's been a lot of media today, at least in the last few weeks, 
um, about the issue of hell before Easter because a, a popular pastor came out with a book and said that hell doesn't exist. And, and people have, he sold, you know, you know, hundreds of thousands of copies and he's making a ton of money on the idea that there's not a hell. It's, it's way more popular to say, hey, uh, hell does not exist and, and no one's going to go there. Most people believe in that, so it's a lot easier to sell that. Um, but if I was the devil, I, one thing I would try to do if I was the devil would be to trick people and to say there is no hell. Because if there is no hell, then people won't live like there is. People will very easily reject Christ because there's no consequence to not knowing him. And the other thing is that believers, people who are Christians, would have no real motivation to tell other people about Jesus because if hell doesn't exist and everybody's going to heaven, then why even share Jesus to anyone at all? So it, it really complicates things. And if I was the devil, that's what I would do. And uh, I know my wife sometimes call me, calls me the devil, but I, I'm not the devil. She doesn't do that. I'm joking. She doesn't call me the devil. Um, but, but if I was him, that's, that's what I would do. And it's not a very, again, it's not a very popular statement to make, but I'm here to, to just share with you the truth that hell is a very real place. And I do this, and, and this is not like one of those sermons I woke up and was so excited to tell everybody, you know. It's like, ooh, I just have so much fun stuff to talk about today. It's not what I, I woke up kind of feeling today. But I've had just a burden about even this, this week. Having to talk about this is not very easy. Um, but I know that Jesus talked about it, and I want to share with it in the most loving um, way that I can. I share this with you because I, I love you. I share this with you because I love our church. Uh, we started this church because hell is a real place. And we believe that, that people go there. And the Bible says that people go there. And um, that's why we started this place. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, we're going to look at a passage. We're going to look at some stuff and learn what we know about hell. Number one, people ask, why does hell exist? And here's what the Bible says. Hell, hell exists for God to deal righteously with the devil, for God to punish the devil. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 25, 41. He said, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for, in other words, here's what the eternal fire, that's, that's hell, Hades, eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. In other words, Jesus says that hell was created, it was prepared in advance for the devil and his angels. And the reason why it was prepared for the devil and his angels is because the devil became the devil when he decided to turn and not follow God. You might know the story, I've heard of the story before, but Satan, Lucifer, was the most magnificent angel that God had created. He was extremely powerful, extremely beautiful, and he decided one day that he was more powerful than God and that he should be boss and he should rule over the heavenly realms and rule over the earth. And he convinced a third of the angels um, to follow him. So God created hell, a place of burning fire, a place of separation between God and him to place this angel to separate him from, 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 from God. And some people think that hell is kind of like, um, that hell is kind of like, uh, or the devil is kind of like the boss of hell. You know, like you get, if you were to go to hell, like you would kind of walk up you know, and, and you see the fiery smoke in the background. And there's, there's the devil with his little tail and he's got some horns. And he's got a pitchfork. And he's like, hello, well, welcome to hell. You know, it's like, you know, ding, 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 we got another customer. You know, and it's like, okay, you, uh, you know, you murderers, you guys go over here. You thieves and robbers, you know, you guys over there and lawyers, you go over there with them too. And, and, 
in the very bottom, down in the basement, down the stairs, you know, we reserve down downstairs in the dungeon for a very specific person. Dentists. Do we have any dentists in here? You're, you're going to be down there, right? You know, I'm just... You know, so that's what people kind of imagine, but that's not what it is. Hell is uh, not a place for the devil to kind of roam free and be the boss of, but hell is a place for punishment for the devil that God's created for him. The second thing God created um, hell for is this, is it exists to deal righteously with unbelievers. Here's what 2 Thessalonians 1, 8-9 says. He will punish those who do not know God. So look, look who gets punished. Those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. And the gospel of the Lord Jesus is the good news that Jesus came to die for us. So if we don't respond to that, then those are the people who go to hell. It says they will be punished with everlasting destruction and shout out from the presence and shut out, sorry, from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power. It says Second Thessalonians 1, 8 through 9. And so it's a place for God to deal righteously with Satan and righteously for unbelievers. We're going to focus on a, on a story that Jesus tells today. He actually um, tells a story ab- about hell. And, and the picture is he enters and he talks about these two characters, a rich man and a man named Lazarus. And we're going to just walk through this. This is a passage found in Luke 16 today. Let's look at this, verse 19. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. So here we have this this rich man who Jesus describes as a man who wears purple linen or purple clothes. He wears linen garments and he lives in luxury every day. Now, the, the purple... Uh, robe is very important because in that day and age, nobody could just get purple. In fact, pur- where purple came from, pretty cool, um, in- interesting story, is that it came from this little shellfish, a little mussel that they found in the sea. And you would have to take these mussels, and they were a rare mussel. They were hard to find. You would take these little mussels, and you'd pop them open. And inside, they had a small gland. And if you squeeze that gland hard enough, you could get a, just a, a fraction of a drop of this purple dye. And so the, in order to get enough dye to dye like a robe or a cloth, it was an extremely, a, a lot amount of, uh, of effort and energy. And it was just very, very, very expensive. I mean, only the rich, other, this is like, you know, the lifestyles of the rich and famous. I mean, only MTV Cribs type people could wear purple clothes and wear fine linen. And also says that he lived in luxury every day. Another, another term that that's used for, another way of saying that in, in the original languages is that he ate the finest of foods every day. In other words, every day it was like Ruth's Chris. Have you guys ever eaten at Ruth's Chris? It's like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I don't know if you get sick of that or not, but, but like every day he had just whatever he wanted. He could just eat in luxury every day. So this is the richest of the rich. He kind of makes this, God, Jesus paints this picture of this guy who lives extreme wealth. And the reason why he does that is because in, in their time and in that day, the people who are listening, someone who was rich was thought to be blessed by God. Now, if you saw somebody who was rich, you would think if anyone is going to heaven, that person is. Why? Because obviously God's blessed them. Because God's given them all this stuff. I mean, they're incredibly rich. So because God has blessed them, if anyone's going to heaven, they are. And then now Jesus in his story enters a new character and he gives us the very opposite, total other end of the spectrum, a new person. His name is Lazarus. And in verse 20, it says, at his gate, in other words, the rich man had a gate to his mansion or his place where he lived. And there laid a beggar named Lazarus. said he was covered with sores. And longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table, even the dogs came and licked 
his sores. Pretty disgusting and, and kind of a nasty situation. A beggar who's living outside of the gate. And the only thing that he's just ho- he's hoping and praying for, scraps. He's hoping and praying for garbage from the rich man's table. So here's a man who eats, lives in luxury every day, has everything he wants. And here's a man who's a beggar. He's probably a leper. He has sores all over his body. And, and he's in such bad condition and so malnourished that dogs just come and lick his sores. And he's just begging, asking for just scraps from the rich man's table. Now, if you were living in that day and you saw someone who lived like that, if you thought anyone was going to hell, someone like that would be going to hell. Why? Because they were cursed by God. They would say, you know, get away from me, you cursed one. I mean, you had leprosy. I mean, they actually sent them out of the city, wouldn't even allow them to be inside the gates of the city. You know, they were cursed by God and by people, by man. And these people, if anyone got hated, God must have hated these beggars, these purple people who were, who were lepers. So God, Jesus paints this, this incredible picture. Um, but I want you to notice something in the story that's very interesting that I picked up on while I was reading. Notice that Jesus mentions only one name. Jesus did not mention the name of the rich man, but Jesus mentions the name of the beggar. He, he calls him by his name. He says, Lazarus, as if Jesus knows this man by his very first name. But then there's a rich man who he lived there who he, he just calls him rich man. He knows not his name. So it's interesting that one is known by God and the other is not. Listen to what happens. Verse 20 or verse 22. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. And the rich man also died and was buried. So here at their death, the beggar is swooped up by angels and is taken to Abraham's side. Now that's a picture of heaven. Abraham was the father of the Jews. He's the father of the nation of Israel. And, and Abraham, he will be in heaven. And that's just another term or another way that we can say, talk about heaven as being at Abraham's side. And then the other man also died and buried. And then it says, here's where he goes, 23. It says, in Hades, which is another term for hell, where he was in torment... In other words, he was in anguish, he was in pain. He was being, tor- torment is, is torture. It's pain that doesn't stop. It's pain that's over and over and over and over again. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So for, in this, at least in this story, he has this ability to look up from the, from the pit of hell and see Lazarus. And he sees Lazarus being comforted by, by Abraham and in this place that is much nicer than where he is. And it says, he calls out to him. He says, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. Now, it's hard to read the emotion in this, but, um, but you can imagine here's a guy who's in torment, who's in torture, he's in agony. It describes it as, as a fire. And he says, if, he, said, he says, it's interesting, he says, not let me out of here. Because I think he also understands that he can't get out. And he also understands that he's there for a purpose and he's rightly there. But he says, if, if you could just send Lazarus with just a drop of water, just to cool my tongue. It's, see how Jesus paints these two extremes? He presents this person in in real life who had everything and a beggar who had nothing. And now at death, it is completely switched. See, we thought that surely the rich man is blessed by God and the poor man is cursed by God. But now Jesus shows us a picture of a man who is cursed by God and a man who is blessed by God. 
and we see him begging Lazarus. He's, the rich man has become the beggar, and he's begging for the scraps. Did you see? It's, just, it's crazy how Jesus paints that, just extreme. But he says, I just want a scrap, just a drop of water to cool my tongue because I'm in fire. So the other thing we know about hell is, is number one, it's, it's a place for Satan. It's a place for unbelievers. Number two, hell is a place of unspeakable torment. It's an unspeakable suffering. It's a place that, that none of us would ever desire or want to go to. Listen to Revelation 14 as it describes it a little more. It says, um, uh, this is a verse about an angel and the end times talking about how God is going to deal with those who follow Satan. And it says, they, people who follow Satan, will drink of the wine of God's fury, which will be which has been poured out full strength into the cup of his wrath. Listen to those terms. God's fury, his full strength. Now, if you think, if you wonder, is God powerful? All you had to do is watch a little bit of the news this last week. And that's just a, a small picture of the power of God. When you watch a tornado, when you watch a hurricane, when you watch a storm, a tsunami, those are just small pictures and reminders of us as people that there is a God who's way more powerful than we are. And this is a picture, he says, his full strength, his full power poured out in wrath. He says that he will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of holy angels and of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment rises forever and ever. He says there is no rest day or night for those who worship the beast and his image or for anyone who receives the mark. Of his name. So what does it say about hell? Hell is not a place that you want to be. Hell is a place of eternal punishment. And God says that it's a place where he pours out full strength, his wrath and his fury. Now, the interesting thing, some people joke, and I, I've heard this a lot, and I've kind of joked about this before. You've maybe seen this line in the movie where someone talks about hell, and they're like, well, at least I'll be there with friends, right? And, like, uh, and uh, there's actually a song out that I think it's called, um, I hope there's, they serve beer in, in hell or something like that. And, um, you know, people joke about hell and say, well, we'll drink beer, and I'll sit around with all my buddies, and we'll drink beer and play poker in hell. I mean, that's because, you know, at least we'll live it up. You know, at least I'll be with friends. Um, this is not a place where people will be drinking beer and playing poker. The place of God's fury and God's, God's wrath is, is a real place. The, the word hell, that they, or the, another word that they use to describe hell in the scripture, they use it 13 times, and they use it um, to a, call the place called Gehenna. Now, Gehenna was actually from the Valley of Hinnom, and I think they might yeah, put it up there. And, and it's another word, Gehenna is another word for everlasting punishment. Now, there was a place just south of Jerusalem um, that had an old story along with it. And the story was, you know, thousands of years ago, um, when people were worshiping false gods, they were worshiping a god called Molech. And Molech was an evil, evil god. He was a god of fire. And what he desired as a sacrifice to him was your firstborn son. And people, as sick as it sounds, you know it to be true. The Mayans have done it. People all over the world have done it. They sacrificed their firstborn children, their firstborn sons, on, in the fire of this valley in Gehenna at this place in Gehenna. There were stones there that they would sacrifice children, sacrifice people, and burn them up to this false god called Molech. They would murder them. 
And this became known as just an evil, an evil place. Well, in Jesus' day, this had become a trash dump. They began to dump not only dead bodies. Um, you see, to be buried in Jesus' day was a luxury. Not many people had tombs. In fact, that's why Jesus had a, he had a borrowed tomb because a rich man donated his tomb for it. M- many of them, most people, the average person, if you died, your body was put on a wagon and you were drug out of the city into this place. It was called Gehenna. And your body was thrown into the fire. That's where the trash went. That's where dead animals went. Everything that you didn't want, waste, everything would go into this, this pit. And it was always burning. It was always trash. It was always burning. It was, a, it was the trash dump for the Middle East for that time. And it was always on fire. And can you imagine the smell, the, the stench of this place? When Jesus talked about hell, he would, he would talk about it. He would say, it's a place like Gehenna, this valley. And people knew exactly what he was talking about. It was a place that they smelled when, when the wind blew the right way. It was a place south of the city that was a pit of just despair, destruction, and burning bodies. That's what he described as hell. The other thing that, you, that this gives us a picture that we learn about hell is, is this, is that he, he was fully conscious in hell. And people will be fully conscious in hell. It is not something, some, some pastors have even said, and some people will even say, well, hell is just, you just go into like a soul sleep. Your soul just sleeps forever and ever, and you don't really know that you're in punishment. Well, that sounds a lot nicer. But here is Jesus, the very loving Jesus, our nice, humble, meek Jesus who loves and serves us, he is the one who is talking about a very real place, who describes it as a place that is um, where people are fully conscious, conscious of what's going on. And it says there will be no rest. And I'm not trying to be, you know, I'm not trying to be scary. I'm not trying to be, I don't want to be over the top and try to be emotional and say, you know, ah, oh, I'm trying to scare you. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. This is just the truth of God's word. This is just how Jesus, the loving Jesus who died on a cross for you, would speak of it. So if this is how he speaks of it, then this is how we should speak of it. It is a place of torment. It is a place that is fixed as well. Listen to this in verse 25. But Abraham replied to this, this rich man. He's calling out, please send Lazarus to just put some water on my tongue. Abraham replies, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you were in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. In other words, this is true, that your eternal destiny is irrevocably fixed at death. He did not have an opportunity after he died to work his way into heaven. He did not have an opportunity after he died to choose Jesus. That's what some pastors might would say, but Jesus makes it very clear, makes it very clear, not from just some other prophet. Jesus says it's very clear. There is a chasm that separates both heaven and hell. And your decision of what you make here in this lifetime decides where that goes. You don't get the chance to have a heavenly realtor Okay, your realtor, you know, takes you on a tour and says, "Okay, this first place that we're going to see, your retirement village. Okay, it's kind of on the south end of the tracks. And some people have complained it's a little smelly and it can be kind of hot. Okay, but um, but why don't we just go take a tour and you just go peek in there and see if it's something that you might want to buy. You know, and then we're going to go uphill, and that's called it's called the heavenly gates." 
and people are nice and people drive around in little strollers and you know, you know, it's nice and golf carts and stuff like that. And you could retire there too. Which one would you like? You don't get that opportunity. Although it would be nice. It, it's, it's not, it's not there. That's why it's important for you and for me when we ask a question, you know, how would you live if hell was real? Um, it's such an important question because if this is truth, then we have a decision to make. I, again, I know it's not popular. I know that everyone, some of you will say, I, don't, I, just, don't, I just don't want to buy it. In fact, the, the Time magazine, when they wrote an article about this pastor who was saying there is no hell, it was really sad. Here's what he said. He said in the Time magazine, the, um, the editor said, uh, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he said something to the effect of, um, it's about time that a pastor has caught up to what, what our culture is believing. This old idea of hell is just not going to cut it anymore. In other words, our culture is so much smarter now. We've just moved beyond this idea of hell. And it's about, and he says, it's about time that other preachers and religious leaders um, got on board with us. You know, it's because those of us who are wise and who are smart, we know that there could never be such a thing called hell. And in fact, this pastor who wrote this book, who's selling so many books, the reason why he says that there is no hell is because of this, is because he couldn't swallow the fact that God, that there might be a place called hell. Is that this, the fact that someone would have to be punished eternally just doesn't sound like God. And here's the problem. Because all of us say, we, we hear things like this. The Bible says God is love. And that is true. God is love. God is love. Um, but whatever God does is love. Love is not God. You see, you might say, well, that doesn't seem very loving that God would do that. See, people ask, the biggest question that people ask is, why does, why does God send someone to hell? Well, the answer is God does not send someone to hell. People send themselves to hell. God, it's, it's not that God is is not loving. God is loving. Whatever God does and deems to be loving, He does so. And we don't get the choice as people, as humans, as created beings, we don't get the choice to say, no, 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 God, that doesn't seem very loving, so you can't do that. No, 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 God is love. So whatever God does, whether we understand it or not, He is love, and that's what He does. And sometimes we say, well, God, no, 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 because God's not loving, He can never do that. No, no, no. Our description and our definition of love does not get to determine what God does and not do, not do. God is God. He does what He wants to do. And he, the Bible says that He is love, and all that He does is loving. Let's keep going. Um, here's what happens to this guy Abraham when he discovers that hell is a real place. It says, He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family. For I have five brothers, let him warn them so they will not also come to this place of torment. He says, please send someone to go warn my family. And Abraham replies, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. And he says, no, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. And Abraham says, he says to them, even if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. Here's, here's the conversation. Here's a man who's in torment in hell, and he says, please send someone from the dead to go back to earth to tell my family because I don't want them here with me. Whatever you do, please tell them. And he says this. He says, listen, it's fixed. You can't go back. And he says, they have the Moses and the prophets. They have God's word. They have the Bible to reveal to them the truth. 
And he says, if they won't listen to the Bible, if they won't listen to the scriptures, then they're not going to listen to someone from the dead. Guess what Jesus did? He came back from the dead to tell people that message, that death is, is real, but there is life after death. And in him, there is heaven and there is eternity with him, with God. So Jesus came back from the dead. But the reality is, people, do people still believe? Many people don't. Most people don't. Even after someone comes back from the dead, he says they still won't believe. They have the scriptures. They have Jesus who came back from the dead. Here you see a guy who is so, when he comes to the realization that hell is a real place, his number one passion becomes this, to let everyone know, to tell his family, his loved ones, that this is a real place and I do not want them here. Let me ask you a question. Are you a person, if you're a believer, if you believe in Christ, are you a person, if you believe that hell is a real place, do you live like that? And this is for me too. I have to remind myself that hell is a real place and that every person I pass, if they do not know Jesus and have not come to the place where they have, they have placed their eternal trust in Him for their everlasting uh, life, then they too will be at the place where the rich man was. That They too will be in hell. And, and that is, that's tough to swallow because some of you have loved ones. Some of you have children. Some of you have spouses who do not believe that is true and who would, who would reject the idea of heaven and hell and reject the idea of Jesus. But let me say in the most loving way that I can, hell is a real place. And Jesus, with all his heart, with all his passion, with all his love, spoke of it as a real place, not as a, not as a damnation. People think when people talk about hell as a damnation. It is not a damnation. It is, we speak of hell as a warning. We speak of hell as people who have, have read truth and would say, there, there is a place that we do not want you to go, and it is apart from the presence of the loving and holy God. And you live now, your life now determines before you die the opportunity of where that would be. You don't get a second chance from this life. You don't get to make your decision and take a realty tour and make your choice after you die. Your decision has to be made now. And so it's, it's tough to swallow. And it's tough to swallow. Why would, you know, maybe you say, why would God want anyone to go to hell? Listen to what Second Peter 3, 9 says. It says this, the Lord is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. In other words, this is the heart of God. The heart of God is that everyone would come to know him, that everyone would be in heaven with him. And people say, it just doesn't seem to make sense to hell and heaven. It just doesn't make sense. Let me, let me tell you what makes sense. What makes sense is when a criminal does something bad, he gets punished, right? That makes sense to us. If you do something wrong, if you kill somebody, you do something wrong, you get punished. You go to jail. You get a ticket, whatever. You break something, you buy something. That seems normal. That seems right. It seems more right to me that if someone disobeys God, curses God in this life, is far from Him in this life, that they would be punished in the next. That makes sense. It just makes sense. It works here on earth. If you do something wrong, you get punished for it. Let me tell you what does not make sense. What does not make sense is that a God would send his only son, Jesus, would become flesh in a man, would live on this earth, and would die a, a torturous death, be tortured on a cross, 
that those who sin against him and curse against him, those who are murderers, those who are rapists, those who are terrible people that would be on death row, that at some point in their life, if they came to the fact and they would trust in this person named Jesus, they would trust in God, that they would have a place in heaven with him. That doesn't make sense to me. But that's the God that we serve. John three sixteen. You've probably heard it before. For God so loved the world that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the message of Jesus. That's the message of hope. And, and as old school as it sounds, and, and I'm sorry to be old school, but there is hell and there's a real place. And if you're here today and you do not know Jesus, then you need to know him. You need to make that decision. Your life is not guaranteed when you walk out of this door. No life is guaranteed another day. All of us have the opportunity anytime to choose him, to turn to him and say, Father, I trust you with my life. I trust you that, God, you are real, that Jesus did die on a cross just so that he could save me. Although I have sinned, although I've been disobedient to God, I choose to trust in Jesus for my eternal salvation. And at that point, if you would choose that, if you would believe that, it says that you would be in heaven, that you would be taken to his side. That's pretty awesome. That's the awesome God that we serve. How are you living? Are you living like there's no hell? Are you a Christian who has, who's just kind of forgotten about the issue? You don't ever tell, you don't ever share your faith. You don't ever talk to other people about Jesus, about the reality of the issue of hell. Let me just encourage you and us as a church that we be people who speak truth, although it's not popular, but we speak truth. Although everyone doesn't believe it, doesn't necessarily mean it's true. Just because people want to say it's not true doesn't mean it is. We take God's word, we take the scriptures as truth, and we say, God, we take you at your word, that this is real, that this is true, and we follow you. We follow you. Um, I want to pray for you this morning. Let's um, bow our heads and close our eyes. And if you're a person here uh, and you have never trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can do that today. And you don't have to do anything weird or crazy or you don't have to stand up or say anything out loud. But just between you and God in this moment, all you have to do is just say to Him and believe it in your heart. And you can just do this now. You can just say what I say. You just say, Father, I have sinned against you and I deserve punishment. But thank you that you sent Jesus to die on a cross to save me. Father, I trust in you now for my eternal salvation and I give my life over to you. If you prayed that prayer, then you just trusted. You'll you'll be in heaven if you were to die today. I believe that. And the Bible says that is true. If you pray that and mean that, you'll be in heaven today if you were to die. And you can know without a shadow of a doubt that's true. But I want to pray for those of you who, who know Jesus. Father, we, we ask for those of us who do know you that, Father, we would be all the more passionate to share you with our friends, to share with you, uh, to share with those who don't know you the message of hope that you bring. Father, not in, not in a condemning way or in a damnation way, but, Father, in a loving way that we would tell people there is a real place called hell, but yet there's a real place called heaven. And the, the only way to there, as Jesus says, is the only way to there is through him not through other religions, but only through him. Father, we love you and thank you. Give us courage as we begin to share your word with others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.